to another episode of the Sports Forum, the latest podcast bringing you all the news, headlines, and analysis from around the world of sports. My name is Michael Murray, and we are back for episode number 12, and I'm joined always by my good friend and co-host, Ethan Looper. And Ethan, well, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that we're, that, that we're both in the same area and we are unable to do this together, but we are practicing proper social distancing, so... What has to be done is being done. So how are we today? I am sick and tired of not having sports. Yep, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's been, it's been interesting. Uh, this, this, this whole process, this whole virus, this whole whatever you want to call it, has been, has been just crazy. Uh, especially, I know for the two of us, especially you know dealing with with school and. Shit getting canceled and having to move out and get all our shit together and a lot of time. Um, not what I think either of us expected our freshman years to end like, but uh, you know, shit happens. And before you know, I mean, for everyone listening, I'm you know, I'm sure we've all you guys have all heard the daily updates. You've been reading articles, watching TV, whatever it is. You know everything that's going on. We're not here to talk about that. Um, I just want to give one, two quick things, and I think I speak on behalf of both of us when I say this. First of all, everyone just try and stay healthy, wash your hands, stay away from people. If you feel sick, quarantine yourself. Don't be stupid. Don't try and be a hero. Um, and I also want to give a quick shout out to all of the senior athletes, especially the senior spring athletes that had their their seasons taken away from them. I mean, as a as a college baseball player, I'm only a freshman, but having to see some of my teammates, some of my close friends, you know, kind of, kind of go through this and and watch their seasons kind of just fall apart and, and become non-existent is was tough. And I wish there was more I could have done, but it sucks. And you guys, gotta, everyone's got to keep their heads up, and and we'll find a way to get through this. So that's my gloomy note uh, that we'll start off on. But now we're gonna get to better things. So I also want to give a big shout out to the NFL. Because just when I thought I was about to lose my mind, the NFL league year started, and they're the only league that's still kind of functioning right now. Um, and yeah, the league year started, and there was an absolute swarm of moves between free agent signings and and trades. We got a ton to get into, a ton to talk about, and then and you know the and these were no slouch moves. I mean, these are some big names on the market. So before we get any of the specifics, uh, just let's get your thoughts on just the overall flurry of moves that started, I think, on Tuesday. It's been a lot to digest. I think the league is just going to look really different next year. Um, it's, I mean, things that have been the status quo for, for a long time, like like Brady on the Patriots, you know, where he's been for 20 years with the same coach and other things. Like it's going to be hard to envision Stefan Diggs and any other uniform besides a Vikings one. But these are, these are things that are going to really affect the NFL. And it's, it's exciting to see. And in, in some cases for fans of some teams, cough, cough Texans, um, it, it's it's been disappointing. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really excited to 
to kind of dig into it and see what's going to happen and what's, what it's going to look like next year, assuming we can start the season on schedule. Yeah. Uh, there were, like you said, a lot of moves that – a lot of names that I think a lot of people did not expect to be on the move. Uh, Mike, you you know, a status quo is a, a good a good term. You know, the status quo of the league really, really took a hit. Um, and it is going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. And you know, you, when when you talk about status quo of the NFL, I I I I think the first name that comes to mind is, is Tom Brady. And the first uniform, the only uniform that comes to mind is a Patriots one, and that's not what we're going to be seeing. Uh, Tom Brady announced. Uh, once free agency started, that he would not be he, first. He announced that he would not be continuing as a Patriot, but then we didn't know what team. And then fairly shortly after that, he announced that he was signing a deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it still really hasn't hit me yet that he's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. But he is. He signed a, a one-year contract worth thirty million dollars, I believe, or and. That's just yeah. That that, that was it, and it, it took the league, it took everybody by by storm. Um, and I think for Patriots fans especially, it really hasn't set in yet. Um, I don't know if it ever will, to be honest. But uh, so so let's start there. E, you know, what were your thoughts on the on on Brady's decision to leave New England? So I've kind of I've kind of heard whispers about it and i you know both of us are on the record saying we didn't think it was gonna happen yep we we were both like i i don't see him leaving new england but i you know this is something i've been hearing about friction potentially between brady and belichick all the way back i think the first kind of rumblings of it were when they traded jimmy garoppolo to the 49ers and that's a way back when kind of situation, but you know, a twenty-year relationship between the two, including six Super Bowl wins, that's not something that go- kind of goes down overnight. So, yeah, I, it's it's kind of been something that's been looking back on it. It it was a kind of a ticking time bomb. Of, you know, not a matter of if, but when. But it's it's still something that's shocking and something that personally I, I didn't think was going to happen. But you know, looking back on it, uh, I'm feel kind of uh, kind of stupid that I didn't I didn't call it. I mean, <laughs> they keep restructuring his deal. He obviously isn't happy about that. Time and time again, uh, Belichick has been has been drafting younger guys and bringing them in. And I, I think we've been dismissing it as, oh, typical Belichick, whatever. But then the flip side of that coin is, you know, how, how's your franchise quarterback going to feel about that? And I guess eventually it, it just came to a point where Brady didn't want to keep hemorrhaging money from his contract, playing on, playing on a year-to-year basis on one-year deals, and he didn't like... Belichick bringing in guys like, you know, most notably Jimmy Garoppolo, Brissett, and even uh, more recently they they drafted Jared Stinham last year. So 
that's that's been kind of a kind of a roller coaster when we always think that New England has a new guy. This guy's gonna be the guy next, and then Brady works his you know black magic with Kraft, and they get traded, and it just it, it wasn't sustainable for sure. Yeah, um, it you know I mean it's it's very very interesting, and 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 like you said, you know I I also was on record on on this podcast saying that I was very very certain that. Brady was going to end up back in a Patriot uniform, but you know I, I think a lot of it has to do. And for, before I even get into my other point, I I was I was actually unaware of the of the the fact that the tensions between the Patriots got so bad back when Garoppolo was drafted that Brady actually considered leaving back then, which I didn't know about. Um, but that's a whole other story, a whole other a whole other topic. Um, I think this just has a lot to do with with Tom Brady, maybe wanting to just try and prove himself because there's still as many people as many people as there are across the league across uh, across football that think that he is the greatest quarterback of all time there is just as many people that will say oh he's a system quarterback who you know he would he wouldn't win a thing without Belichick blah 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 so maybe he's saying all right I'm a free agent I've I've more than you know paid my dues. Like I, 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 I I'm sorry. I, I sh- excuse me. I, I, I shouldn't put it like that. But you know, I've, I've, I, I've done everything I've, I was supposed to do and more in New England. Here's my chance now to go to another team and see if I can take them on a deep playoff run, take them to a Super Bowl. So I guess from that viewpoint, I see it. But the other thing. And this is what kind of worries me about the decision. When you look at guys like, uh, and and I'm going to switch sports here, but when you look at guys like Derek Jeter, we'll, we'll use him as an example. You know, he went out when 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 he was finished. He knew that he was at the end, and he knew that he, even if he he knew that he probably had, maybe had some more years left in him, but he knew they weren't going to be good years. So he hung it up. He went out on a high note, and now he's you know, and he's well regarded as one of the best shortstops to ever play the game. David Ortiz, same thing. He, you know, he definitely had some more years in him at the end, but he knew, you know, the injuries were catching up to him. He knew he wasn't going to produce. He went out on a high note. But then you look at guys. There's some guys in, 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 in especially across baseball. Maybe not football as much, but there's guys, athletes who, I think they get to the end of their career, and, 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 excuse me, and 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 maybe they think that they have, that, that they have more in the tank. And, and and damn, I'm getting out of talk. And they, and they go to another team and they try and, and they and and they try and work it out and it doesn't work. And their numbers take a hit and suddenly their legacy takes a hit. And 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 seeing this now with Tom Brady, you know, this could have that same effect. You no, know, maybe he goes to Tampa Bay. Maybe he plays two years. Maybe he wins seven games both years. Throws a bunch of picks. His his passer rating goes down. Whatever you want to say, you know. And suddenly, maybe his legacy as what was the greatest quarterback of all time takes a hit. So I worry about it from that sense. But at the same time, I also see it because this is now his chance to finally prove to people, to all his doubters, hey, I am more than a system quarterback. I can win on my own. And I gotta tell you, 
this roster that he's got in Tampa Bay, especially on offense, he's got he, he's 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 got talent. So it, it's going to be very very interesting to see. But I, I I just worry about it from that sense of you know if he goes here and he doesn't succeed and he fails, does his legacy take a hit? situation you've got six rings when you've got six rings it's so hard to argue the greatness of a player and there has been years 20 years of testament that tom brady every single day is going to show up he's the first one there he's the last one to leave he holds everyone accountable he's a locker room leader so no matter what you're getting on the field with tom brady it's more than surface value because he is a true, tried and true leader. And enough with the Tom Brady hate, I think. As, as a Giants fan, as a person who hates Tom Brady's guts, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like, I'm a Giants fan. We've seen him in the Super Bowl twice. I know we beat him, but. He gave us a fucking scare both times, and, you know, you can't not respect the man. The disrespect for Tom Brady, you know, originally, I, I thought it was a, a troll. Uh, you know, when 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 Barry McCockiner first started going on Twitter and calling Tom Brady a system quarterback, like, I thought it was a funny joke. And I'm at the point where I'm like, like, really? Like, we don't see, like, why... Tom Brady brings value. Like, that's mind-boggling yeah. to me. Yeah, and I completely agree. So, looking kind of forward to what what Tampa Bay might look like next year, um, we've got a familiar face that Tom Brady has time and time again gone to bat for. His name is Antonio Brown. And the Buccaneers just lost their third receiver, Brashad Perriman. So they're looking to someone who play this, who can play the slot. And I know a receiver who's named Antonio Brown, who plays the slot exceptionally well. And and I've heard I've heard more than a few rumors of of Tom Brady asking Bruce Arians to bring Antonio Brown in. So I would love to see that. Um, him on the field with Brady again would be just so fun to watch. Um, and on in the vein of, of this Antonio Brown news, today on Twitter he posted what looked like a video of him at a water park. So that was that was an interesting development. That's the only Antonio Brown news I brought to the table today. If you have anything else you'd like to add to it. Um, um, I can I can honestly say I have not been keeping up to date on my Antonio Brown news, but I have heard the rumors about you know him joining Tom Brady 
and you know, I, I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I, I, excuse me. I think it would be an absolutely sick addition to put him alongside Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and O'Dell. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, yes, obviously Brady's pushing for it, and and who knows? May, and maybe he'll convince Bruce Arians to push the front office for it. But if, if but if I'm that Tampa Bay front office, I'm if. If I'm sitting in that GM chair, I'm going, all right, look, I just got Tom Brady to come play quarterback for me. I have Mike Edmonds. I have Chris Godwin. I have O.J. Howard. I'm really not trying to screw this up. You know, what we have is really good. Maybe I'm going to go focus more on improving my defense, and maybe I'm going to go focus more on improving my run game, which is going to segue perfectly into my next, into our next move to discuss, and that is the St. Louis Rams releasing Todd Gurley uh, earlier this afternoon. This had been a long time coming. They had been shopping Peyton um, for a very long time. Or, excuse me, they had been shopping Gurley. I just saw an update about Sean Payton on my on my TV. That's why I said Payton. They've been shopping Gurley for a long time, even up until the NFL Combine. Um, and today, they apparently must not have found a suitor. So today, they, they decided to release him and... And, I mean, this is obviously a big move. I mean, this guy's 25 years old. We know the knee injuries that he's dealt with um, that have obviously derailed him and pretty much forced him out of a Saint, or a Los Angeles Rams uniform. But this is a guy that can step in right away and make big changes to a backfield. And I see Tampa – excuse me, I see Tampa Bay as a perfect fit. E, your thoughts? Well, I am not so sure about that. Um, Todd Gurley, for my taste, is too much of a risk, and it wouldn't bother me so much if we weren't in our current situation, because he can't go in for physicals with teams. With, with health concerns being a big risk right now, you don't want a guy who has question marks, and we're seeing that in the market right now. Guys with injury histories that are extensive are having trouble finding a market because there's a lot of question marks about the fact that they can't go in for physicals. Jadeveon Clowney is just another example. Who you know, you have a guy who has been elite at their position and has dealt with injuries and is on the better side of 30, who is a first round pick, but you're having you're, you're kind of choking on the health risks so right now for my money i'd much rather be you know going after melvin gordon who's also a free agent who's 27 and hasn't had you know a, a gruesome injury in college arthritis in his knees and melvin gordon is at least 90 percent as good as todd Gurley, and you, many can argue he's a better back so you know, Gurley. If I'm a team, if I'm a fan, excuse me, of a team who's looking to possibly sign Todd Gurley, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect a, a result on him until he can go for a physical. Yeah, and and you know, earlier when I and earlier when I said you know that he can make an immediate impact, that might have been a bit of a, a brash statement. That was just me speaking in the moment. But you know, this is a guy. He, like I said, he's 25 years old. 
he's still technically in the prime of his career. And I think, you know, when 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 you look at that Tampa Bay backfield, you know, you have Ronald Jones, who we saw last year emerge as a very suitable running back. If you stick Todd Gurley in there, if you get him for the right price, I mean, obviously there's no reason to break the bank on this guy. Like you said, the injury concerns, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. So there's no need to throw him a huge contract. But if you get him for the right price, you stick him back there with Ronald Jones. One of the things that goes overlooked in his game is his ability to, to make an impact in the passing game. And we know how much his quarterback loves to dump down and find guys in the flat and throw the short passes. So, like, yes, you're right. It, he's he, he's he's way too big of a risk to throw a huge money contract at. But if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I can get him at that right price, a price I feel comfortable at, I am absolutely going to take a chance and try and stick him in my backfield with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Because then, if you hit a home run and he comes back fully healthy and he starts giving you what he gave the Rams two years ago, we got something. So, yes. Obviously, the risk is there, but there is going to be a team. And yes, will a team probably overpay for him because he's a big name? Yes. But if you get him for the right price and you hit a home run, you got something in your backfield. And you might have something in your backfield for another four or five years. Yeah. And, I mean, we've seen over Brady's career, and it's it's been Belichick's bread and butter, is pound the rock. And... Brady does his absolute best off of play action. And that's honestly how it's a big reason why Brady's, I mean, some, a lot of Brady's like retractors and, and I guess haters, they've, they've pointed out that Brady throws to wide open receivers, right? That's because they pound the rock. They keep running it. And eventually you just have to stack. You have to do something. You have to stack the box. You got to bring a safety down. You got to blitz, and that creates holes in the back end. And you know who has exploited that more over their careers than Tom Brady? Um, I, I think there's no question that the Buccaneers probably need to bring someone else in. You know, if it was Todd Gurley, that would, you know, as you said, and I continue to agree that he's a guy that. Obviously, has been you know, for for two years of his career at least, unequivocally top three back in the league, top you know five at the at the very minimum. So that's a pretty scary thought. I, I don't really remember Brady having a, a weapon like that in his his backfield at least recently. Um, I mean, he's had some guys like like James White who can catch a lot of passes or, you know, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead. Those are some of the guys he's had in the backfield. And you look at those names and then you look at a Todd Gurley or a Melvin Gordon and it's not even comparable. So, you know, I'm excited to see what the Buccaneers do. You know, that's a team that I've always been kind of excited about. And, Really, there's there's nowhere to go but up for that franchise in terms of throwing interceptions. Um, so no matter, even if Brady, you know, isn't at the ridiculous 
greatest of all time level of efficiency that he had in New England, you know, that's a that's an improvement over Jameis Winston. And speaking of Jameis Winston, I want to see him in a Patriots uniform next year. I want to see Belichick work with that guy. I think he still has legit talent. So Yeah. Um I completely agree with that. Um and you know, if I'm a Buccaneers fan right now, you know, all you know all in the offseason, all I'm saying is just give me a quarterback that doesn't throw so many picks, and now I get Tom Brady. So I am definitely playing with house money right now, and I am playing with house money if I'm the if I'm the Buccaneers front office. So definitely gonna be interesting to see what other moves they make because I know we know that they are not done. And so sticking with the quarterback position. Uh, a lot of other signings were made. There was a trade made as well. So we'll start in Indianapolis. The Indianapolis Colts signed Phillip Rivers to a one-year deal. Um, I'm assuming to be their starting quarterback. I don't see any other, see any other reason why. Um, so, E, we'll, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on this signing? So I think this signing says pretty clearly that they would like to draft a guy and then sit him for a year, and then see if they can come up with some Mahomes-esque magic. You know, if you're if you're looking at the at the draft, um, like like a passer who's kind of raw and has all the talent in the world. I mean, Jordan Love is uh, is looking like the guy. So Jordan Love to Indy sounds like a really possible scenario right now. Um, you know, Indy is a team that has very few holes. And if you look back a year ago at this time, they had Andrew Luck and they, they'd they made a, a decent push in the playoffs the past season and they looked ready to contend. You know, Darius Leonard, you know, struck gold in the draft. They just traded for DeForest Buckner, who is basically Calais Campbell Jr. He's an absolute wrecking ball. And that was a casualty of the 49ers simply not having enough to retain both Buckner and Eric Armstead, who they re-signed for $17 million a year. And, you know, the Colts look really primed to make a push. I mean, Rivers is, a, is an established quarterback who can still, I, I think, can still play. I mean, there was a lot of flack on him last year, but the Chargers, they were missing Derwin James, and that's one of the best safeties in the league. Um, you know, Rivers, it felt like on a week-to-week basis, was trying to kind of incite a fourth-quarter comeback, and he was always put in you know two-minute situations, and ultimately... When you're in that situation every week, there's a lot of film on what you're going to do in those situations. So there's been a narrative lately that Rivers is a choker or Rivers isn't clutch. Rivers can't pull it out or win games. And um, I I really want to see him prove all that wrong. I think he's still got some left in the tank, and I'm excited to see what he can do in Indy. The thing is, they do need some receiving weapons because – T.Y. Hilton and um, no one else isn't going to cut it. Well, what about Zach Pascal? Zach Pascal is 
just a guy. You know, I'm I'm not I'm a defensive coordinator, and I'm coming up the next week. I'm not I'm not terribly afraid of Zach Pascal. I agree. I'd agree with that. I I, I was just saying that because that's the only other name that I know off the top of my head in that receiving core. But you know, this is a good move for Phil or for Indianapolis. Excuse me. Um, you know they they get the chance to bring in an established guy like Philip Rivers. And like you said, I I think that's exactly the plan, the course of action. You know, I can see them taking is is taking a, a young raw talent in the draft and and letting him learn under Rivers, and then eventually taking over the helm. And like you said, you know maybe they strike gold in that. Um, I am interested to see what happens with Jacoby Brissett because yes, he he's he's by no means an elite NFL quarterback, but he you know he held his own last year with that team and and. And he fought hard and 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 did what he could. So you know, no no disrespect at all to, J- to Jacoby Brissett. You know, I I would not if if I'm a Colts fan, I, I'm not super super, or I'm I shouldn't say that I'm if I'm a Colts fan, I'm not super upset with him or the job he did because he did a, a pretty a pretty good job under center there. But, um, you know, I think one of the big advantages now for Phillip Rivers is, you know, you look at last year, that Charger team, and there was so much speculation, you know, with, with Melvin Gordon, and, and, and was he playing, was he going to sign a contract, is he holding out, whatever, whatever. You know, he, yes, Austin Eckler was a good running back, but he was never really, and Justin Jackson, but, you know, not, not really a sustained running back, a sustained running game, which forced him to be a gunslinger. Now he has Marlon Mack, who is an established running back in the NFL, so now he gets the ability to rely on the pass game a little more. He's got T.Y. Hilton, like you said. Hopefully they add a wide receiver. He's got a very solid O-line anchored by Quentin Nelson, uh, who's one of the best, probably one of the best offensive linemen in the league. And, and Ryan, Kelly, Ryan Kelly's the center there, and he doesn't get nearly enough credit for the job he does. So just I, I wanted to give him a quick shout-out as a former center in high school. There you go. Yeah, so there you go, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly. And you still have Eric Ebron at tight end, I believe, who you know kind of fell off last season. Did not have a, a great year receiving wise, but you know we know how much Philip Rivers liked to throw to tight ends back when he had Antonio Gates. I know Eric Ebron's no Antonio Gates, but he's a very sustainable tight end. He can catch the football. He's great in the goal line. So maybe he sees a resurgence this year. So I, I like this pickup for the Indianapolis Colts, and like you said. They they really bolstered up on defense. You know, Darius Leonard is is, is is a monster. DeForest Buckner is a great pickup for them. So this Colts team, you know, I and and when you consider the division they're in, you know, Jacksonville just traded away Nick Foles. It's officially Minshew time um, in Jacksonville. Um, the Texans, I don't know what the hell is going on in Houston. Um, and the Titans, you know, who who. Who, who, excuse me. Who, who knows if we're going to see the same Titans team we saw last year make a run, you know, all the way, all the way to the uh, to the AFC title game. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you your answer on that right now. Um, hell no. Hell no to the Titans. Hell no to the Titans because they just traded away Jarrell Casey for less than a bag of chips, and uh, that's that's one of the more underrated moves I think this offseason. Um, Jarrell Casey, he's not a guy many people are familiar with, but he's one of the absolute very best interior defensive linemen in the league. Um, you know, for me to put it in, in context, um, you know, how, how good he is. I mean, he's, 
he's like rated. I think I think in Madden he's been like a ninety-eight, like recently, as you know, like two years ago. For those of you that and, don't play Madden, uh, the rating is out of ninety-nine, so ninety-eight's very good. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to bring up a ton of stats and and uh, and really emphasize exactly um, what you know, for, especially for guys like interior defensive linemen or offensive linemen. So, yeah, I'll just put it in context that way. He's one of the very best players in the league, and they traded. They had to trade him for a seventh-round pick. So um, I'm not loving Tennessee next year. And they also um, got rid of Jack Conklin. So so, so there you go. So, this, so there's your Tennessee update. So the division they play in is wide open. So, so this Indianapolis Colts team, I like them. I, I mean, I that division itself, I, I – I I think you know eight eight and eight nine and seven wins it, so I I I really like this this uh, this Colts team to to take that division and go to the postseason. Sticking with the quarterback moves, uh, I mentioned the trade of Nick Foles, but the other one I really want to get into is the situation in Carolina. So Carolina first they signed Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and this was right after Cam Newton announced that he wanted a trade. So right now, Teddy Bridgewater is the guy in Carolina, and Cam Newton will soon be dealt to an unknown team. E, my first thought when I hear Cam Newton wants a trade is the New England Patriots. Is that a stupid idea on my part? Not at all. Um, it, things are kind of wide open with Cam because I don't think – Many people really thought that they were going to move on from Cam Newton. Um, I, I assumed he was going to be uh, back in, back with the Panthers. But, you know, as we already said, this has been a huge L for the, uh, for the status quo as far as the league goes. It, it feels like when, when like, you, you're playing one of those sports games, we already mentioned Madden. It feels like when you're playing Madden and – like you simulate like three years into the future and then you're just like, what the hell? Like Tom Brady on the Patriots, like Cam Newton about to get traded. Like, like, like if someone woke up from a coma two years ago, (laughs) that's actually a really good point. Like, like even like, like you're like Andrew Luck just retired out of new, nowhere. Luke Keekley retired out of nowhere. You got Tom Brady as a Buck. You Tom Brady's a Buccaneer. The Rocker. Uh, Kobe Bryant passed away. Um, yeah, I would not. I would not want to be waking up from a coma right about now. Plus, I mean, if you wake up, they probably make you stay in your bed because you know everyone's got a quarantine. Yeah. So, so we've made we have made the conclusion that this is the worst time maybe in human history. Yes, this is the worst call. time ever. <laughs> we're just gonna call it that. So, you know, going off what you were saying about Cam, you know, earlier you know you mentioned how you would love to see, um, uh, Bill Belichick work with a guy like Jameis Winston. You know, one of the things Tom Brady's never been able to do is run. Uh, I would love to see what Bill Belichick could pull off with a mobile quarterback like Cam Newton under center and you know cam newton when you look at him he's very much in the same boat as a guy like todd Gurley. you know if you do hit and you hit a home run with him he can be a lethal lethal weapon we've seen that from him before 
but the injury concerns are there. He's he's older than Todd, he's older than Todd Gurley, but you know the injury concerns are there. So it's it it in in reality it's just a giant question mark. You know what can we get out of this guy? And you know since you're in a position where you have to trade him, you know he's not a free agent. What can you get for? Um, for a guy like Cam Newton, who, like I said, has very, very, you know, has injury concerns, and you know, you, you just don't know how many games you're going to get out of him. And when he's on the field, you just don't know how he's going to produce. So, but then on the other side of the coin, Teddy Bridgewater getting another shot to be a quarterback, and I'm really, really happy to see that. Um, he, you know, the situation with him in Minnesota and the whole Kirk Cousins thing was kind of unfair to him because he really really did a good job with the Vikings. And then, you know, last year to see him come in for Drew Brees and and keep that Saints team afloat and pull out some wins and really just kind of prove himself again to the league was really, really fun to watch. So I think everyone I, I think everyone in the league is rooting for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and I certainly am. So it's gonna be really, really, really fun to watch to watch him and watch Christian McCaffrey and those guys go to work there. For sure, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, a couple more notes, actually, on Cam Newton. Um, it's it's going to be hard to hammer out the, the compensation on a Cam Newton trade. So it it's, it's beginning to look increasingly more like he's going to get released. And then he obviously would be an unrestricted free agent, and he wouldn't factor into the Panthers' compensatory picks. The other thing about Newton that he never gets credit for, and it drives me insane that he never gets credit for this, is he actually is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league. He is a he is a film rat. He knows exactly what's going on on the other side of the ball at all times, and I think Belichick would love to work with him. Absolutely. I mean, those guys are, are those guys are Belichick's types. Um, I mean, Brady was the same way, and it's it, yeah. I I would really, really like to see. Um, I would really like to see the the Patriots go go after him and try and pick him up. But like you said, I kind of I'd also love to see them maybe try and get Jameis Winston too. Um, it, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see, and it's going to be really weird to see them without Tom Brady. But uh, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. Let's get to the to the two big wide receiver deals, and we'll start with the one that made absolutely no goddamn sense. That's DeAndre Hopkins getting traded to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson, and there were some other picks involved in there too. Um, e, if Look, I'm a Cowboys fan, and believe me, I am not thrilled with Jerry Jones and the work that he's done in my lifetime as general manager, but holy crap, if I'm a Texans fan, if I'm not standing outside Bill O'Brien's office with with riot gear tomorrow, like I don't know what I'm doing because this, this is officially the cake. The, yeah, I'd uh, I'd be ready to, to burn the building down. Um, did, did you hear? Did you hear what Bill O'Brien said to DeAndre Hopkins? Is that true? Yes, it's. it's I mean, Michael Irvin was on ESPN reporting it that say, DeAndre Hopkins told him that, that saying that he that Bill O'Brien and 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 this is just for anyone that hasn't heard this. Apparently, Bill O'Brien in 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 an interview with him or like a meeting, a meeting brought yeah. up. He called him into his office. Brought up Aaron Hernandez and his. If, if I'm quoting this right, 
his baby mamas? Yeah, yeah. So he, um, Bill O'Brien uh, apparently called DeAndre Hopkins into his office and he said that he didn't like DeAndre Hopkins bringing his baby mamas around the facility. And he also said that the um, the last time he, he had to have a conversation like that with a player was Aaron Hernandez. And huh. obviously that's, that's wrong on, on so many on levels. DeAndre Hopkins, a guy who's never gotten in any sort of trouble, um, just way over the line by O'Brien there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's become increasingly clear that he is losing the locker room. I mean, the Texans, they didn't re-sign DJ Reader. I don't know if that's because of incompetency or if that's because of him not wanting to come back, but they've had every opportunity to extend DJ Reader, who is who's one of the best nose tackles in the league. Um, over the over two years, they've had an opportunity to extend him. It was very clear that, that was the move that that was the correct thing to do for the Texans. They hadn't done it, and you know, he just left. So, um, if if that if that's any indication. It's it's just not looking great in Houston. O'Brien's got to go before they, you know, extend the damage even more and end up losing Deshaun Watson, who's going to be a free agent after next season. So O'Brien's got to go. They needed an actual general manager, and they've got a lot of work to do because they just also lost the. Well, I, I I would say best receiver in the league, but we've got Michael Thomas doing historical things. So I would say the the second best wide receiver in the entire league. They just traded for, you know, a, a half eaten cucumber. So yeah, and 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 the first issue with Houston is why like making your head coach your general manager is not is not a good move. Because, look, you know, I am sure that there have been situations across the league in history where, you know, a player is maybe, you know, it, it, you know, there's a player and the front office is maybe considering dealing him or releasing him or whatever. And, and the head coach has vouched for him to the front office and maybe that player has been, been kept. Well, guess what? That front office and the coach that's vouching are the same person. So how, if I'm in a locker room with Bill O'Brien as my head coach, how can I possibly, you know, maintain a healthy relationship when I know that he's the guy that can possibly trade me or release me at any single moment? That just doesn't bode well for a positive locker room environment, and we've seen it working right now like shit. And it, it didn't even work with, you know, it, it doesn't work in any capacity, in any sport. I mean, the whole Jeff... Van Gundy experiment and in Detroit with the Pistons didn't work. So I, I don't know how you're going to expect it to work with, with the Texans. And there's like guys out there that I would love to hire as my GM right now. A great example of is Jim Nagy. Jim Nagy, he runs the senior bowl and I think he would be a great GM. I, I'm scratching my head at why a team has, hasn't 
I, I don't know if they've reached out to him, why he doesn't have a general manager job. The best answer in my head is that he doesn't want to leave, which would be fine. But to me, as a league, there are there are two incompetencies um, I, I view for two guys that don't have a job that just should. Uh, Jim Nagy already I mentioned, and and Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of, of the Chiefs. Totally agree with you on that one. Those are two guys that should be a GM and a head coach somewhere, and it, it's it's a head scratcher that either of them aren't. Yeah, uh, the, the 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 fact that Bieniemy didn't even really get looked at for a head coaching job this offseason really surprised me because. You know, we've said this before. That you know, what he's done with that Chiefs offense is is unreal. I mean, they are at times virtually an unstoppable force. Um, but anyway, you know, going back to the Texans, uh, it, and you know, it, okay, it, it, yes, you have a head coach that's the GM. That's a terrible thing to have. But you have a guy. You you have a quarterback in Deshaun Watson who is a special, special talent, and you have him paired up with DeAndre Hopkins who. Not last year, but is widely regarded as a top three wide receiver in the National Football League. You have them together in the same offense. Yes, the run game has been iffy. Your secondary options have been iffy. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done there. But when you have that core, I mean, even I mean, even my idiot Dallas Cowboys know to keep Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper together. And Watson and Hopkins, you could argue, are better than both of them. And he's let and he's let them go. Right. No. Exactly. Exactly. So my point is, like, you know, yes, like, you know, like, I'll start that speech over. You've done so much to get these two guys together on your offense. You have two lethal weapons on your offense. I mean, we saw the, the we saw the plays uh, Watson made in in the wild card round against Buffalo. They were unbelievable. And 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 excuse me and and in one fell swoop, that's gone. I, I I and yes, look look, David Johnson still has potential in him. Like you know, he's obviously still a very good football player. But what is the thought process? I I I, I would just love to know. I, I just don't see the thought process here. And then, hey, if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, oh my God, I'm taking that and running to the bank because yeah, it, it and and. and and that's all I'm gonna say. I, I I I just don't see the thought process with Houston. And if I'm Arizona, I'm literally laughing as I'm shaking his hand. Yeah, and I think I, I think he, uh, like a, a couple weeks ago on on the pod, you made a great um an analogy when we were talking about the Andre Drummond to Cleveland trade. Where yeah my yeah you're my playing, uh, you're playing fantasy right. and someone my you, fantasy strategy. Yeah, you, yeah. You send someone a trade offer that's kind of ridiculous, just hoping they'll take it, and they probably won't. But you know, it, it was worth a shot, and you can really start talking and kind of come in the middle to a to a good deal. And then they accept the trade, and you're like, really? Like, like, okay? Like, I, I, I don't under I don't understand what the what they were doing there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, I, like honestly, I would not be surprised if the Cardinals just threw that out, being like, "All right, like there's no way this happens." And then Bill O'Brien's like, "All right," and they're like, "Wait, wait, really?" He's like, "Yeah." They're like, "Okay," and then hang up the phone. 
So yeah, yeah you, I, don't, you don't say anything else at that point. You're right? Like, yeah. Oh, like no. I'm, like I'm sure you've seen. I'm sure you've seen the movie Moneyball. There's a scene in there when when he makes a trade at the deadline, and and the GM on the other line says yes, and he starts to say something else, and Brad Pitt hangs up the phone. And Jonah Hill goes, I think he was going to say something else. And Brad Pitt goes, when you get the answer you're looking for, hang up. Like, I would not be surprised if that was the same the same instance here. So, DeAndre Hopkins going, uh, going to Arizona. Uh, if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm jumping. I'm, I'm still jumping in the air. Because um, I'm really excited to see what that team can do. Um, and, you know, honestly, that deal, you know, when – when when you think about the NFC West as a whole, you know the Niners just went to the Super Bowl. The Rams, even though they had a down year last year, are still very much contenders. The Seahawks are always pesky. You know they're always going to be in there. And now you got the Cardinals, who have DeAndre Hopkins, another year Larry Fitzgerald, who's Mr. Reliable. They got a young quarterback in Kyler Murray, and they have Kenyon Drake in the backfield. So this could easily be a four-headed race in the NFC West and you know these and those divisional games are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and that's not all they have either. I think people don't really pay attention to the fact that they've still I mean, they rounded out their receiving core with three guys who are still on rookie deals and they've got some good draft capital invested between the three of them. I'm talking about Christian Kirk Christian Butler. Christian Kirk, that was the other name I was thinking of. Andy Isabella. So you're, I mean, they've got, you know, seven, eight guys who can just gash you and you're scared of. I mean, Isabella hasn't proved much. I mean, Hakeem Butler was hurt last year, but he was a name that people were talking about as a real value in the draft. And I was excited to see play. I was disappointed that I didn't get to see Akeem Butler last year. So having Akeem Butler, who's uh, more, of, more of your big receiver type, Isabella is a speedster, Larry Fitzgerald is your obviously old reliable, and then Hopkins will out-muscle anyone in the league. You know, Drake outplayed David Johnson, and Murray is the future. So... You know, I'm, I'm looking upwards if I'm the Cardinals right now. And then on the other side of the ball, they've got guys like Chandler Jones, who's consistently leading the league in sacks and is, for my money, the most underrated player in the NFL. And they've still got Patrick Peterson, who I think people tend to forget about. Yep. So they've, they've really got a core out there, and I'm excited to see what Clint Kingsbury does with it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on any of that. So let's get into the other deal that was made for a big-name wide receiver, and that was the Bills sending four draft picks, I believe, um, to the Vikings for Stephon Diggs. And, you know, I think when you look – I think when a lot of people look at this deal on paper, E, they 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 look at it and they go, all right, like what the hell – you know, like, like, like they, they, they question it basically. You know, did they, they – they, they kind of wonder, you know, like why both teams did it, and 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 when I looked at it at first, you know, I I definitely said the same thing, but um, I, like really thinking about it now, I see this from both perspectives, and and before I get into my analysis on it, let's get your thoughts. Well, the the big head scratcher for me was 
I'm I'm questioning why the Bills didn't get on the phone with the Texans on this one. Um, you, you know, the, the Bills have a noted need for a big, big receiver. And, you know, who, who goes up and gets the ball better than Hopkins? I mean, Josh Allen is obviously one of the better up-and-coming talents in the quarterback position in, in the league. But he does have a knack to overthrow guys. And DeAndre Hopkins can go up and get those balls. I think that would have been a better fit for the Bills. But Stephon Diggs is still a game-breaker. And I am, you know, I'm happy for both sides. I, could, I, I agree. You know, both sides, I think, got something out of it. And, you know... It's it's just a win win, I think. Yeah, and I mean, and, and you know, when I when I say that that I see it from both perspectives, you know, if you have you have a Vikings team who had a relationship that was kind of rocky with Stephon Diggs, you know, we saw multiple times, you know, him kind of having tantrums on the sideline, you know, screaming at guys for not getting the ball enough, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the relationship there was kind of iffy. And here you have the Bills, and yes, I know giving up four draft picks is a lot, especially for one guy. But, you know, you have the Bills that have been in, in, in this mode, you know, trying to win now, trying to win now, but just never having enough. And yes, having draft picks having draft picks is great, but when you have a fan base like the Bills Mafia, eventually, like, eventually winning now, like, has to happen. So you know what? I, I see it, you know, going, you know, just honestly, just say fuck the future for a little while. Get your guy, stick him in there with Cole Beasley and um, who's the other guy in the Bills receiving court? Help me here. John Brown. John Brown. Thank you. And John Brown, you know, stick them in there. Stick him in there with that. Let them go to work. That defense is solid. I really, really like the Buffalo Bills, who play in a now fairly wide open NFC East because of the because of the. The departure of, of of a certain player that wears number twelve, and then yeah, so so from that perspective, I see it both. But you're right, you know, if I'm any team and I see that DeAndre Hopkins deal, I'm going shit. Like, why the hell wasn't I on the phone with Houston? I mean, if I'm the Cowboys, I could have traded them Tony Pollard and two picks and got myself DeAndre Hopkins to go with Amari Cooper. And like I'm, it it, it so yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. You know, I if. If I'm any team out there, like damn, I could have got DeAndre Hopkins for free, and I think I think he's I think honestly, I mean honestly, I I I I do agree with what you said about Hopkins being like a better fit or a better choice than Diggs. I think that's just because Hopkins is a better overall receiver than Diggs. But as far as the Bills go, they needed a big name. They went out, they got an explosive playmaker in Stephon Diggs. They gave up a lot of picks, but you know what? They want to win right now, and I think they have a real, real, real shot now to do it. Oh, for sure. And the other kind of element to this for the Bills is, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, the Bills just mortgaged the future. It's risky. You know, they, they had those picks. That's valuable assets. And yes, they are. But you need to justify the assets long term. And you're seeing this with the Cowboys right now, actually, where – you draft, you do really well in the draft, and you get a ton of great guys who are young, but then it comes time 
to pay the piper. And everyone's rookie deals are up. They're not cheap anymore, and you got to pay them. And you start losing guys. You've got a great core in Buffalo. You've got guys like Trey White. You've got Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, who are looking like they could all become elite players at their positions. But you're going to have to pay all of them. And you have to make sure that when all of them are ready to get paid, it's manageable. Because the, the Cowboys had no way of giving Zeke, Dak, Amari Cooper, Byron Jones, you know, while they're paying Tyron Smith a boatload of money, they're paying Travis Frederick and um, Zach Martin boatloads of cash. And, and it just like that core wasn't sustainable. So you bring in a veteran guy who is established already one of, you know, the very best receivers in the league. And, you, you know, the capital could have been useful for the future as far as drafting new guys goes, but you get a proven asset and you get to take care of your guys later. Could, could not agree more. And, and, and you're definitely right about the Cowboys. Um, speaking of the Cowboys now, let's get into to the last big deal that I want to want to talk about here. Um, you know, I was feeling good about the Cowboys. You know, you know, they tagged Dak. They 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 kept Cooper. Byron Jones was lost to the Dolphins. But I mean, I think if you if you told me um, going into this offseason that Cooper and Dak would stay and Jones would leave, I, that's that that's what I would have preferred. Um, and I was feeling pretty good. You know, we signed Gerald McCoy, uh, bolstered our D-line. Then I saw what the Eagles did today, um, and it kind of pissed me off. Yeah. And the Eagles, what they did, for those of you that don't know, is they traded for Darius Slay. Uh, Darius Slay had been dying to get out of uh, Detroit. He did not like Matt Patricia. He did not like the team. It uh, was not a good situation there. He wanted out, and he got out, and I think it was a third and fifth round pick the Eagles gave in return, and then they signed Slay to a three-year extension. Um, So now the Eagles have a proven, solid cornerback in their secondary, Um, the guy that's going to lock up Amari Cooper for the next three years, or, well, at least try to lock up Amari Cooper. Hopefully he figures out how to beat him. Um... But this was a great move by by Philly, um, a team that has been crushed with injuries, especially injuries in the secondary. Uh, so a good move for them. E, what do you got? Uh, I, I think it was a steal, and it pisses me off more than anything else because definitely another move that hate annoys you. The Eagles. Hate the Eagles. Um, but you know, Darius Slay for my money is one of the top three corners in the league. Um. He plays man to man. He was in in Detroit. He was playing man to man every single snap, pressing your best receiver. Uh, an underrated thing that I think people don't pay a lot of attention to with corners that deserves it is he follows into the slot. So that's that's important. And you know, I think PFF tweeted something ridiculous today. Like Darius Slay was the eighty third best corner last season from their metrics. Like. And the NFL players were coming out and just being like, you're an idiot. Like, (laughs) yeah, I I have nothing to say to this. I'm so mad that this happened. You know, if, if I 
as a Giants fan, we just signed James Bradbury, who I absolutely love, but Darius Slay is better, and they gave up a third and a fifth for him. Uh, wow. Like, I, I don't know what's going on, what's in the water these days. If people are just panicking, you know, um, but the, it, it seems like the compensation for these established superstars has gone down significantly, and I, I can't figure it out. Well, um, if I can shine some light on that, um, you know, I, I think I think one of the things is is when you have a guy like Darius Slay who was open about the fact that he could not stand Detroit and now has come out and said that he did not respect Matt Patricia as a person. Well, yeah. Um, actually, I saw today that Matt Patricia actually told him. Which I, I can't believe some of the things these coaches are saying to their players, first of all. But Matt Patricia said to Darius Slay that he didn't know why he was working out with Richard Sherman because Richard Sherman was one of the best in the league and Darius Slay is just good, quote, just good. How do you say that yeah. to a guy? Uh, so I've really got my ears open um, as far as Houston, which we already kind of had an idea that things weren't going as well as you know, they would, you know, Bill O'Brien would like everyone to think. But now I've kind of got my eyes on Detroit, too. Yeah. That's, you know, in a situation where a coach would say that to a player, doesn't sound like somewhere I'd want to play if I were looking to sign my next contract. Yeah. And, and, and to continue what I was saying there, um, yeah, those, those quotes are, are, are brutal, for lack of a better term. But um, you know, to go off what I was what I was gonna say, you know, when, when you have guys that are very very vocal about not only wanting to leave your team but genuinely disliking your team, I I I think it gets to a point for a general manager where they have to where they're like, you know what? All right, fuck it, let's just get rid of them, and they just accept the first deal they hear because it just gets rid of the guy from the organization. And then you see the deal, and you're like, "Holy crap! Like, what the hell? Like, I like I could have like I, I like I could have proposed a better trade for that." Which is why, if I'm a general manager in the NFL and I start hearing this story about how this player wants out, I'm getting on the phone. I don't even care if I don't need him, because the chances of you being able to get that player for, on the cheap just because that general manager wants to get him out of his organization are much greater. So even if I don't need a cornerback, maybe I call up the, the Lions and go, "Hey, I'll, g- I'll give you this for them." And if then, then if they give them to me, now I have all the bargaining power. And if a general manager wants them, he's going to have to pay what he's really worth. So I think it has a lot to do with these players being very, very vocal about the fact that they want to leave the organization because it, it because the general manager goes, "All right, whatever." Like I, like I'm sick of hearing you moan. I'm sick of hearing you complain. Third and fifth round pick, why not? Just get him the hell out of my sight. Yep. Um, but on on the the flip side of that, well, I understand. I guess I understand the mentality there from a GM. But you're netting a third and a fifth round pick for that type of a player, and it just makes me go like, 
what are you doing? Like the odds of getting someone who is 50% as good as Darius Slay between those two picks in the third and the fifth round for an Eagles team that made the playoffs. So that those are pretty late within those rounds. It just makes me shake my head and say, what? Like, I, I don't understand it. It's... It's it's a tough it's a tough it's a tough sell for me on the Detroit side, and you know as much as it it pains me to admit the Eagles got an absolute steal. This is a guy who I don't want to see covering Darius Slayton for the next you know five years, and you know good and and good for Darius Slay. He got his extension with the Eagles to once again reset the corner market. Um, the top two. Paid corners in the league before this deal were both in Miami, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, and now Darius Slay is getting paid more than them, which he absolutely deserves. But now I'm also looking at names like Marshawn Lattimore and Marlon Humphrey, and I'm like, wow, like what are they going to get when it's time? Because those are guys who seem happy in their situations, and the team loves are absolutely locked down and we're, we're going to see some ridiculous numbers for corners coming down the pipeline that's all I got to say yeah um, yeah absolutely could not agree more uh, great points um, so last thing we're going to get into here uh, we've, we've talked about a, a, a flurry of moves that have, have come in and there have been a ton more that we that we did not get to but Last thing I want to talk about here is who's left, because there's been so many moves. There are still guys left out there in, in free agency, or guys still kind of on the on the trade block. Um, and the the first big name e that that comes to mind, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, is Jadavian Clowney. And you know he he wants he he yeah he he's he he's he's a free agent, and you know he's looking to sign. He said he said he wants to sign with a contender. Um, but I saw a report the other day that said he's he's been surprised with 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 the market as a whole and and, and, and the market that he's facing. So, you know, it, what he, what what do you think is next for Javon Clowney, and where maybe would you like to see him end up? Um. Well, first of all, he's he is a through and through three four outside linebacker. So he's not going. If your team runs a four three, sorry, you're not getting Clowney. Um, from Clowney's side, I think the best move for him, if he's not happy with the market, is to sign a one year, prove it kind of deal, which we just saw with Shaq Barrett, and that worked out pretty well for him because he got paid. Um, but. Clowney, I mean, as a Giants fan, I wanted, I wanted him. Doesn't I mean, we don't have enough cap space now for that? But it's, it's kind of, you know, I don't know where he's going to end up. I have no idea, and he's, I think, the biggest enigma so far in free agency because he's a guy that he doesn't have a lot of production as far as sacks 
but he's one of the very best run stoppers in the league for a three, four outside linebacker. And he's still a guy that for sure will make your quarterback sweat on third down. I mean, you, you got, you're, you're about to drop, you got a third and seven, you know, you need to throw the ball. I'm worried about Javion Clowney coming after me. So, yeah, uh, Absolutely, and it's funny that you know we're talking about Jadavion Clowney right now. Um, there's actually, I have the the ESPN free agent special muted on my TV, and they're and they're talking about him as well. Uh, you know, you mentioned kind of the lack of sack production. Only three sacks last year, but he did force four fumbles, which was a career high for him. And this is a guy, like you said, that that can wreak some havoc in a team's backfield. Um, and it's also interesting to note that he that uh, you know he played for the Texans. Before he was traded to Seattle, uh, you know, because you know an- another move, another brilliant move that makes sense um, for Houston. But anyway, you know, you know, like you said, you know, he he's he's looking for a contender. The Seahawks are contenders, so you know, you know, just like you said, if if he can't find a deal, if you know, if excuse me, if. If he can't find a deal and he's looking to contend, there's nothing wrong with signing that you know one year, like run year. I'm going to prove myself to be a beast so I can get paid next year deal with the Seahawks. And I think for Seattle that'd be a great pickup for them. You know, you get to keep him on the line. You know, he can get in the backfield, disrupt Jared Goff's life. Um, you know, you know, do some damage with that San Francisco run game. Make Kyler Murray a little nervous. So you know, if I'm Seattle, I'm I'm saying hey. Maybe you come back to us. But then again, it all comes down to him. Maybe he doesn't see the Seahawks as a contender. But I think I honestly I think you know, like you said, you know, he he's he's a he, he's a three-four outside linebacker. So not every team's defensive scheme fits his position. But is it ever a bad thing to maybe have a little you know, if if I'm if I'm a team that runs a three-four and I have maybe two very, very solid players at the outside linebacker position. Is it ever a bad thing to have too much depth at that position? Uh, to me, if I'm a general manager, having too much depth on defense is a blessing. Of course it's a blessing. And having too much depth, I mean, there's no such thing. Right. But you're exactly. not going to talk about, you know, my, the, the main issue with this deal is too much depth when the guy's asking for $20 million a year. You know, the, the salary cap just expanded by about, um, I, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's up to around $200 million. And, I mean, he's going to be looking, at, I'm guessing, at about the same deal. He's probably asking for Khalil Mack numbers right now. Um, I mean, if that, if, if he was asking for a number that GMs viewed as anywhere near reasonable, they'd be at the table right now. But Jadeveon Clowney, as as we said, he's already come out and said that he's shocked by the by the lack of interest in him. And there's no NFL GM in their right mind that wouldn't want to sit down with Jadeveon Clowney at the table and hammer out a deal if there was any, you know, reasonable number that they thought they could reach. 
yeah, I agree with that. And 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 you know, and and basically, you know, the 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 whole point I'm trying to make there is just, you know, if, if I'm a general manager and 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 I have the ability to sign him, I'm going to do it. And I really don't think that he, you know, the fact that he's surprised maybe should be an indication to him that his price is too high because like you said like we said there's no GM out there that would not want to have Jadavian Clowney on your team in your 3-4 defensive scheme but I think like you said it's a price thing and and teams are not gonna you know considering yes there's low sack numbers and there may be to some teams some question marks you know if it's not the right price there's no need to there's 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 no need to take a gamble so if I'm Jadavian Clowney, maybe I'm saying, okay, maybe I need to lower my sights, and maybe and maybe I do have to resort to that one-year prove-myself kind of contract. So with that, that was the only uh, available player uh, that I had on my list that to discuss. Do you have any others? Is there any anybody else that is still out there that you want to want to cover? We already talked about Gurley, who's recently on the market. Right. We touched on Melvin Gordon, who, who I've been hearing reports hasn't received an offer that's anything close to what the the Chargers offered him in training camp, and then he held out due to it. So, you know, take a page out of Le'Veon Bell's book and I guess get the same result where you're going to lose some money. Um, but Robbie Anderson, who was a wide receiver for the Jets, is a guy that is 27 years old, and he is a weapon. He is a field-stretching wide receiver. He, you know, I, I don't know what he ran coming out. All I know is I've watched him run by some of the very, very best. Um, and then in the same kind of kind of theme, Brashad Perriman is also a wide receiver who really proved himself with the Bucks this year after Evans and Godwin both went down late in the season. So those are two guys who are 26 and 27 years old and have proven themselves as guys who can really boost an offense. So those are two guys I'm really excited to see where they land. And I think both of them will make almost any offense better. Um, let's see. Who else do we have here? I've got a list in front of me. We already talked about Jameis a little bit. Um, Dominican Sue. It's always interesting to see what's going on with him. Absolutely. And... and- and and before we before we continue, just a couple of things on what you said about uh, Anderson and uh, Brashad Perriman. Um, you know, much like I said, you know, having maybe an, an extra like outside linebacker on your team is not a bad thing. You know, be, I don't think there's any team in the NFL besides maybe the Kansas City Chiefs that has a set complete receiving core. So anybody is a suit. Anybody is a fit. For a guy like Robbie Anderson, the guy like Prashad Perriman, I'd love to see the Cowboys maybe maybe try and throw a deal at him and pair him with Cooper and Gallup. I mean, I would. I mean, if the Jets were able to bring him back, that'd be great. Um, Robbie Anderson would be a fantastic compliment for those two. But I think I think the the Robbie Anderson numbers are going to surprise some people. 
just just knowing just hearing what kind of people value him you know how many of average kind of nfl fans know about robbie anderson and seeing what yeah, more, and, more and, analytics and uh, yeah, and, and I will say also, you know, I think he's fallen victim to the fact that he's played for the New York Jets. Yeah, when uh, when you're a deep ball receiver and you have Josh McCown slinging it, exactly, um, yeah. and 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 just hitting me now, you know, if uh, one team that would I think would make so much sense for a guy like Anderson is the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, why not? Because I, think, because I think because I think I honestly think if you put him next to Stephon Diggs, they're very much the same build, the same type of wide receiver, and he'd be a perfect match with a guy like Adam Humphreys. Or not Adam Humphreys, uh, Adam Thalen. Yeah. Um I, I just think uh Diggs is a more complete receiver than Anderson, I would say. Agreed. Agreed. He runs better. He, better yeah, he's routes. a better route runner. I would yep. Yep, and and I would say Diggs is also probably better after the catch. Any any Saints fan would be would attest to that. <laughs> Come on, uh, I, I just you know I had to dig at, at all my noble buddies, but um, yeah, I I the Vikings to me they're losing so many people, so many players off the roster. They. They're losing guys like Everson Griffin. They traded Diggs. They're losing uh, the guy that went to the Bengals, uh, Mackenzie Alexander. That's where I was looking for. Did uh, Did I see also that Linville Joseph went to San Diego or Los Angeles? Yeah. Chargers. Who? Linville Joseph. Linville Joseph. Uh, yeah, I think maybe. Oh, let me let me check that. I'm pretty sure. I'll look it up as well. Former. Uh, yeah, yeah, he went to the Chargers. Yep. So that's just another guy that's losing. I think the Vikings might have to go rebuild. Um, they're they're losing a lot of but guys. With, I mean, yes, I I could see that. But what's also interesting about that is that they just signed Kirk Cousins to a bulky extension. Really? I think it was. I want to say it was. Hold on. It, it 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 was bulky in terms of cash, not years. Again, yeah, right. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me consult this. The internet. <laughs> Two years, sixty-six mil. Fully guaranteed again. I didn't see that, but two years, sixty-six mil. So you know, when you're putting that much money into your quarterback, who we've already put we've already put a ton of money into before, I don't know if that screams rebuild to me. Yeah, it's um, the Vikings. They lost a host of names who are huge contributors to them. Um, I saw a list of them earlier. I can't find it. Um, but just just know that they've they've lost a, a hefty piece of their total production from last year, and it's it's going to be hard to recoup. Um, if there's anyone who can get it out of guys who you've never heard before, heard of before, excuse me, it's uh, probably Mike Zimmer. But you know, it, with the Vikings for me right now, it's going to be I have to see it to believe it. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see 
what what happens there. And it's also gonna be interesting to follow that you know that division as a whole because you know with the Bears now with Trubisky and Foles, that's definitely gonna be. Uh, I, I, I honestly you know when thinking about all these moves as a whole, it makes a lot of divisions a lot more interesting. Oh, for sure. Like, suddenly the NFC West is something very interesting to watch. The NFC North is something interesting to watch. The NFC South is going to be interesting. The, the AFC East is finally going to be somewhat competitive for the first time in 20 years. You know, the the, the AFC South is going to be uh, competitive. Or the AFC, I'm sorry, the AFC North is finally competitive. I think I said the AFC South. Oh, the, the, NFC, the NFC West is, is the one I've got my eyes yeah. on. I think that's, that's going to be the marquee race this year. Yeah. And uh, the Cardinals, we don't know what they're gonna. They're gonna have. They're gonna be at least fun to watch, even if they go eight and eight. Um, I mean, as you already said, the Seahawks. You already went through. You know, Forty Niners. Duh. Like and the Rams. That's. I'm gonna yeah. be watching. That's gonna be a lot. Anytime, yeah. Anytime I can get my eyes on an NFC West matchup, I am going to be fully tuned into that game. Yeah, definitely. So with that, uh, that'll wrap up episode number twelve. Uh, you know, hope hope you guys enjoyed the. Uh, well, first of all, I I I I hope that everyone's been enjoying you know this 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 flurry of NFL news, even if you're not an NFL fan, because it is sports news, um, and it's made me happy. I'm sure it's Ethan. I know it's made you happy, and and it's definitely made us both. We've had a blast tonight. Uh, finally, yeah, exactly. You know, finally being able to talk about sports and, and getting another episode in. Our next episode, because we assume that by the time we record our next episode, you know, none of the other sports are going to be back yet. Um, so our next episode is probably going to be our our NFL mock draft. So we'll have a full round one mock, um, and we're going to play a little game off of that, but I'll explain that on the next episode. Um, and, yeah, so that's going to wrap up episode number 12. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. We'll give you updates there. Um you know, we're at, it's at the sports forum and then the number one, you know, follow us on there. And we are available on a multitude now of, um, of different, uh, platforms, you know, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. You can find us on any of those. Um, so, you know, stay in touch, tweet us, whatever you want to do. Um, and we'll be back with, with, with episode number 13, hopefully sometime next week. And please be healthy, social distance, whatever the hell you got to do. Let's try and get rid of this, all this stupid bullshit uh, sooner rather Wash than later. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Thank you, Ethan. Wash your hands. You know, it, it, if you wake up and you feel like you're sick, just, 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 if you wake up and you feel like you're sick, just lay the fuck back down and go to bed. I don't even care. Because at this point, because at this point, work should be canceled. School should be canceled. You shouldn't be doing anything anyway. Just go back to bed. Distance yourself. Do the right thing. I want to watch all four sports again. Right. Don't go to the beach. Don't go to the fucking club. I don't care. Right. Like, and, I, and, and, and to the idiot on Twitter who said, I don't care if I get it, I'm still going to go party. Go, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, fuck I, you. Yeah, fuck I, 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 yeah, exactly. So with that, that's going to wrap up episode 12. There was a little rant about Corona. We will be back next week. With our NFL mock, this has been episode number 12 of the Sports Forum.